So I, I kind of had a difficult time these last couple of days deciding what I was going to preach on because I, I had decided that uh, we were going to hit on the book of Exodus, some, a passage out of the book of Exodus, but I also forgot that today was the Feast of St. Francis. And I don't know if any of you guys, you're probably familiar with the name, but um, St. Francis is one of my heroes. Um, and, and today is celebrated as his, as his feast day in the, in the church, October 4th every year. It rarely, rarely ever falls on a Sunday. Uh, but I love St. Francis. A lot of times you guys will notice this cross that I'm wearing. Uh, it's a little bit different, uh, but I wear it pretty frequently. It's, a, it's called a, a, a tall cross. T-A-U is the way it's pronounced, and you can find examples of it in the Bible. Um, but it's a particular kind of cross, and it became associated with, with St. Francis and, and the Franciscan movement as a whole. Um, so I, 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 I respect him greatly, and I respect what his movement stands, stood for and stands for today uh, greatly. And there's, and there's a lot of similarities that I see between him and him and the Methodist founder, John Wesley, and, and the way that they approach Christianity, particularly in, the, in, their, in their more practical, uh, giving, and compassionate type, type ways. Um, so I thought about preaching, you know, using, the, using him as an example to preach on, but I, instead... Um, I'll have to go back to Exodus, and we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments this morning. You'll also be very happy to know that I have cut my sermon down in time today, in the interest of time. Uh, I'm not going to be giving you guys a 40-minute deal like I have been doing recently, given that we're, that, we're, that we're celebrating communion and World Communion Sunday. We, I thought we'd take a little bit more time to um, concentrate more on that as opposed to just sitting here listening to me all day. But if you got your Bible... Uh, we're going to do several verses. We're going to skip several verses um, as we go through it. But it's Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to start in verses 1 through 4. So Exodus 20, 1 through 4. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. Now skip down to verse 7. And we're going to do 7 through 9. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Most of us know that as you shall not take the Lord's name of the Lord, Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. And now we're going to skip over one more time to 12 through 20. And this is the remainder of the Ten Commandments, starting in verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbors. You shall not cover your covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and they heard the trumpet and they saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The word of God for the people of God. I'm going to give you, I hope, I hope what I'm about to do doesn't, doesn't fall flat. Um, 
but I'm going to give you a couple of examples of, of how our memory of how our memory tends to work. When I was coming up as a kid, there was a very popular television commercial um, that was promoting a uh, particular type of hamburger, and it had a tune or it had a, a saying that went along with it. And I hope some of you guys remember this, or else it's going to fall very very flat for me. But I remember it from from golly from probably. Parker's age, probably about seven or eight years old. But it went something like this, and y'all sing it along, or y'all repeat it along with me if you remember it. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, on a sesame seed bun. That's right. <laughs> How about this one? And like a good neighbor, give me a break, give me a break. Yep, we all remember that, don't we? <laughs> now, without looking back at of our scriptures, without cheating, y'all tell me the Ten Commandments. All right, honor your father and your mother. Do not murder, do not steal. Uh-huh. Wait, say it again, baby. There you go. Come on, we're only three short. Four short. Oh, there you go. No God's for me. <laughs> Close enough. We're good enough. We got seven out of ten. We made a 70. We passed. We missed... We missed, uh, we missed idols. No, don't make any idols. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And uh, you should not bear false witness against your neighbor. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. We remembered, we remembered our Sunday school lessons from when, when we, we were kids. But check this out. There was an article that was in uh, uh, the Christian Post magazine back in 2017. And it shows that, most, that Americans tend to know their hamburgers a lot better than they know their scripture or their commandments. 80% of those who were surveyed could sing the uh, all-beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, <laughs> pickles, onions tune. But only, uh, uh, only one in ten, only one in ten recognized do not kill or do not murder where that, where that came from. So we know our burgers a lot better than we do our, our commandments. Uh, but we all know the Ten Commandments. That is a, that's a foundation of our faith. That's a foundation of, uh, of the Christian faith, of what forms us, of what makes us who we are. It was one of the first things that we learned as kids were, were the Ten Commandments. And there's no way that I can sit up here and, and preach an entire sermon on the Ten Commandments and really do it any justice. Um, so we're just going to take kind of a surface level look at it real quick, just for a few minutes. And we're going to see how maybe we can tie this into our celebration of, of World Communion Sunday today. Um, you guys remember, remember that we looked at the Gospel of Mark several weeks ago, and we did it all. We, we did that for several weeks. We looked into the Gospel of Mark and what Jesus said were the, were the greatest commandments: love your love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, golly, we did that probably about a three or four or five week sermon series over that. Um, well, with that in mind, we're going to take a look at the Ten Commandments, and let's look at how these are structured. Remember what Jesus said were the greatest commandments. Love God, love people. I can break it down in four words. Love God, love people. Those are the greatest commandments. That's what we are called to be and what we're called to do. 
Look how the Ten Commandments are structured. Look at the first four commandments. The first four commandments are all about what it looks like to love God. The first four commandments tell us exactly what it looks like to love God. Have no other gods before me. Don't make any idols. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. That's all about how to love God, how to live in relationship with God. The following six commandments are all about loving our neighbor. The last six are all about what it looks like to love our neighbor with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to live in relationships with people, with others. Take a look at them. Honor your father and your mother. Don't kill. <laughs> Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. There's one that, I, there's one that we should all take serious. There's, that, that's one that I would love to preach a sermon on. Uh, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And don't covet. That's what it looks like to love God and neighbor. How cool is that? That's pretty neat, isn't it? The Ten Commandments are structured that way. What we need to understand is with the Ten Commandments, God's not given us those for the purpose of restricting us. He's not given, those, he's not given us the Ten Commandments to, to hurt us um, or to punish us or again, to restrict us. Because I think a lot of times that's what we believe. We look at the Ten Commandments or, or we hear preachers preach on them or teachers teach about the commandments. And that's kind of the idea that we get. We're like, man, this is, you know, this, this why does God make, make me do this? Why does He want me to be like this? This is awfully, this is awfully restrictive. That's not, that's not the purpose at all. But I'm afraid that that's the view that many of us have accepted because I think that's the view that many of us have been, have been taught. Um, over the centuries, not just recently, but over the centuries. What the Ten Commandments do is they provide us with a way to live in freedom, that freedom being found in loving God and loving others. It, 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 it's a call of how to live in that freedom. Do y'all remember me talking about Galatians 5 several weeks ago? It was on, it's on Sandy's mask. We have a bad idea and this this falls into our american culture we have a bad idea of what freedom is we have a bad idea of of what freedom means because it doesn't mean the same thing in christianity as most of us are taught that it means it's not the freedom to do as i want it's not the freedom to do as i please it's the freedom from sin that we have through christ jesus and it's the freedom that we have to love god and neighbor galatians 5 13 and 14, we'll go back to it. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's throughout the Bible, isn't it? From Genesis all the way to Galatians, all the way to Revelation. Those two little commandments. The ten that we're talking about this morning summed up in two things. Love God, love neighbor. They are not a, so much a restrictive set of rules that force us to grit our teeth and bear it more than they are a roadmap as to what it looks like to live and relate to God and others. The freedom that we have in Christ Jesus 
again, isn't the type that a lot of us are taught or that a lot, a lot of us think of. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about me doing what I want to do and living the way that I want to live. It is the freedom, once again, that we have to be free from sin and to embrace and to live out this call to love God and to love others. So as we observe World Communion Sunday today, we're going to be sharing in the bread and we're going to be sharing in the wine with other Christians around the globe. And we recognize that we're also bound together with other Christian denominations through observing the Ten Commandments, through observing the Sermon on the Mount, through observing the teachings of Jesus. We all have this common, these things in common, these common bonds that we embrace. We're doing it through communion this morning, but we also do it through embracing and living out the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, those types of things. You know, this is a time when moral authority really seems to be lacking in our communities. I think we can probably all agree to that, yeah? There's a, there's a lack of moral authority in all our communities. So it's important for us to remember these commandments and to put them into practice. This is a guide to holy living. This is what it looks like to, to live and to be holy. And there's another word that I'd like to discuss a little bit deeper at some point. Because I think, I think the word holy has gotten a bad rap over the last few decades or so. Um, we tend to envision a certain type of people probably. We tend to envision people who maybe are a little bit too legalistic, maybe a little bit too domineering in the way that they live out and preach and teach their Christianity. That's not what holiness is. You know, Methodism, Wesleyanism started as a holiness movement. That's, what, that's how this whole thing... John Wesley was a holiness person. He, he embraced those ideas. It's not, about the, it's not about the clothes that I wear. It ain't about what my hair looks like. It's about holiness of heart, because that's, that's, that's where it starts. It's about holiness of heart and holiness of thinking. And that's what we see right here in the Ten Commandments. These are some examples of how to live this stuff out. Because if my heart's holy, if my heart's in the right place, some of this external stuff is going to be obvious. We tend to focus a little bit too much on the externals. We tend to focus, and I think that, that the externals are evidence of where our heart is. Don't get me wrong. But that's where it begins. It begins in our minds and it begins in our hearts. Holiness of heart, holiness of mind. And that's again what we have as an example for us of what it looks like to live out that, that holiness of our hearts. And when we do that, when we use God's direction in the Ten Commandments, when we use Jesus' examples as our guide, we show up in the world, and we show up in the world in transformational ways. Maybe we should go back to our Sunday school from when we were kids and remember these things. And, uh, and then the coming weeks, go back and study them. See if, and, 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 and see if we're mirroring, mirroring these things. See if we are actually are living out these examples in our lives, these examples of holy living. <clears throat> I'll go back to Francis. I'll go back to St. Francis. St. Francis and Wesley both had this in common. They expressed holiness. They, 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 they stressed that idea and uh, where it all begins in our hearts. And uh, I heard a wonderful example of this. I went to a, um, another church for a, uh, for a meeting a couple weeks back. And uh, the pastor that was teaching our class, he gave us an example of... Uh, and no, he... No, he did not tell us who it was, not that I would know anyway. But he, but he, ta he told us a story about a, uh, 
a person who was a longtime member or a longtime attender of their church who was having, who had had been having, was a leader, I think. I think he may have been teaching Sunday school or something like that, um, but was having an extramarital affair uh, with somebody else in the church. Um, so he sat the guy down and then they had a conversation and he talked, you know, talked to him about it. And, and the guy looks at him, he says, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? And the pastor told him, no, God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. And I think that's a pretty powerful statement. That's not a, and that's not guilt. That's not laying down guilt. That's not laying down shame. That just is what it is. Um, it's that balance. It's that balance. I know I love to teach about love a lot of times, and I don't think that we can actually talk to people about these things unless we do truly love them. Um, but on the other side of that is yes. God doesn't want us to just go out and do, even though we can, He doesn't want us just to go out and do what we want to do from a sinful side, from a sinful nature. In that aspect, no, God does not want us to be happy. God wants us to be holy. So, as we come to the communion table today, this morning, may we experience together, and may we experience with other Christians around the world, a meal that connects us for that divine purpose of holy living.